Go ahead and start turning to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to hit the second half of, of that chapter and the first couple verses of Galatians. Um, and uh, it's, it's good that we serve a God who's in control more than we are um, because, um, I mean, even when we try, when we do our best, um, when we put all that we can planning and, um, and, and strategizing and just doing all, the, all that we can do, and, and I, I definitely don't think God's against that or want us to stop that at all, but we're still asking the impossible to happen. We're wanting to see dead things come to life, and only God does that. And so whether he asks you early in the morning to sing that day in church or whether you get a call Friday night on your way to a Christmas party uh, to preach in two days, um, you just say, all right, my heart's in it to serve the Lord. I'm going to step up, and the results are his no matter how, how it goes. And I'm just going to give everything I got, whether that's singing or praying or giving a testimony or preaching. And so, um, and that's, that's what we're going to do, is we're just going to trust God to be God today, okay? And uh, know that He will. And so, like I said before, Friday night, if given the opportunity and, and, and pastor says, hey, in a few months I'm going to be out of town, will you preach for me? Ideally, what I like to do is spend a couple hours uh, prepping the beginning of the week, getting just find, trying to figure out what I'm going to preach on, and that normally involves me sitting at the kitchen table with headphones in, apparently grunting. Apparently, when I study and listen to music, I grunt. Felicia says, "I don't know. It's got to be what I'm listening to, I guess." And and chiseling this thing out for 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 a couple hours, giving it a day or two for me to pray and digest on it, and then coming back at it. Uh, but like I said, that didn't happen this time at all. Uh, pastor calls me or texts me Friday night. Like I said, we're headed it an hour in the opposite direction from our house to a, a late Christmas party. And all the while, I know that the next day is going to be spent, the day in between him telling me and me preaching is going to be spent celebrating my fifth wedding anniversary to Felicia, which is an amazing, great thing. That's all for her, not me. Um, and, so, and so prep time this time was me waking up at 6 a.m. this morning and just trusting God to, to do what only God can. And so that, that's what we're doing is we're just going to read out of Galatians, um, and it's, it's perfect, and God being sovereign, because we're going to learn about, about how our heart, about our heart, and then how our heart moves us into actions, and really everything like I said anchored in, into our heart, and this will kind of be a, an end to what we talked about last time I got to preach, which was in the beginning of Galatians. We looked at the tail end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. So we're going to see kind of Paul's continual thought here at the end of Galatians. So um, let's read Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to read all the way to chapter 6, verse 5. So we'll start, um, and I'm going to be reading out the ESV, and it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us, walk, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the part of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his, work, his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. Dear Lord, we thank you most of all for just who you are. Not for what you have done for us and what you will continue to do, although those things will be great and they will be undeserved. But we are thankful that you are a God of limitless love, of grace and power, and who cares for his children. So we ask today that you would uh, stir up our hearts to worship you and that you would uh, submit our minds and who we are in the flesh to better worship you in our actions through a heart that loves you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you remember back to the last time I preached, and we talked about the, be- the beginning, uh, in the beginning of this book, in the beginning of Galatians, this book seems to be kind of unique. Most of the time when I'm reading through Paul, reading through the letters, or the use of walking through a letter of Paul in Bible study, Paul tends to uh, have, a, have a pattern that he's looking at that you can kind of see when you get to the end of it what he was doing. But if you're not careful, you can, you can cover like 15 topics in 20 verses, it seems. It almost seems scatter-minded when you're reading it. But Galatians isn't like that. Galatians was a thorough and repeated beating of the the essential truth of the gospel. That salvation is not something that can be earned. It's not something that can be good worked into. It's not something that gets stronger with each spiritual discipline we possess. But it is simply grace love, and a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not something that we can just do into or do into strengthening, but it is given from a Father who loves. And he continues to just hammer this through two, three, four chapters in Galatians. And so here at the end of Galatians, he is going to anchor all that in a few things. And so he's going to start to talk about what that looks like. Now that he has continually beat in the idea of Um, don't rest on your works, don't rest on your works, look at Christ, look at God, look at his love for you, look at his mercy for you, and let your heart just love him, and then he has set you free, unleashed you to be all that he has created to be in running after him. And he's going to kind of, uh, now that he's set us free, he's going to show us um, what we can, if we're not careful, walk into in in our flesh, as he says here in chapter 5, and or we can run into who has set us free and walk in the spirit that he has now given us to to show us how to love him. So the the, the last little bit here of chapter 5 is what he is doing. He's saying, hey, God has set you free. Not you, not you've worked yourself out of the situation you were in, but God in his love and in his mercy just showed up and ransomed you, just showed up and freed you. And now that you are set free, there will be two paths that you will struggle with. There will be this new nature to love the one who has set you free, but then there will be this old pulling of the flesh back onto you. And so he kind of lays it out here that, that, that we could either go back to what we felt comfortable with before salvation, go back to our default setting of selfishness and anti-godness, and he lays that out in walking in the flesh, or 
we can fall madly in love with the God who has set us free. That we can see his love for us, be renewed by it, and then with with a lot of work and with a lot of grace showed upon us by others and by God himself, try to walk in the Spirit, try to walk by the Spirit. And if we, if we took time to read through those, and that's not really our, our point, we're going to actually spend our time walking through the first five verses of chapter 6. A lot of what you're going to see isn't a lot of actions, although there, there does seem to be some action words in those two lists. A lot of it seems to be heart things. Love, peace, kindness, faithfulness. All these things are things that are planted deep in the heart. And when they're in the heart, then we see action unfolds. When you love someone, that can take many different actions depending on what that love uh, looks like or what you want to show that love with to, to different people. Different things look differently. My, my brother is all 110% boy. Like he is just, that's just him. He loves sports. He just, he's, he's 20 Oh gosh, 26 and just been a, and a, and a bachelor. So if you can imagine that life, like that's just him and he loves sports. And so to love my brother is to, is to talk sports, is to pick on, is to have arguments that have no real answer, but are just arguments to be had, right? That's what it is to love him. But to love my son, who is much younger and still growing into who he is, that looks a lot different. I can't just, I can't just get aggravated with Calvin and have an argument with him, primarily because he knows like three words, right? And so... It looks different. That, the love for each one of those people looks different. It all So this, this list in this fruit of the Spirit here, when it says love, that's not an action. That word itself, it now should overflow into. It's, it's a heart. The walking in the Spirit is us putting our heart under submission to who God. It is allowing His transforming power through word and prayer and a relationship with Him and His people to change our heart. So he, Paul, in this book has said, all right, Salvation is this. It is not works. It is loving Christ. It is being set free by Him. And then once set free, it is, okay, where's your heart? What does your heart look like? How are you cultivating and, and, and wanting to see your heart grow? And, and what are you digging that into? And, and what could manifest itself? And, that, and, and he is very pointed and very warning of these things, right? Those, those heart conditions we see for people uh, in the works of the flesh, those actions and those heart conditions, he says those people don't enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's not like, well, those are a little bad. Those are a little taboo. Those are very serious uh, things that he wants us to, to take note of. And so in being set free... In seeing how we're to live by the Spirit, he's then going to kind of, um, he's going to show us what that looks like in relationship to each other. Now that hopefully we've seen these two lists, list of the flesh, list of the Spirit, we go, I don't want this one that leads me away from the God that loves me. I want this one that puts me side by side in arms with the God who loved and set me free. And so now he's going to say what that looks like to brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember at the very beginning of this book, the first thing he does is rebuke those sitting in the congregation with those who actually love Jesus. He's, he rebukes those who are sitting in that congregation who don't who claim that they do, but their heart doesn't actually. And so now that we've seen what we're to do, that we see who we are, that we see how Christ has loved us, now what does that relationship look like? And so we're going to start with, like I said, we're going to reread verses 1 through 5 and break it down. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you, are spirit, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So what he is saying is that brothers and sisters in Christ are to come along those who are struggling and have messed up and they are to help them back to a walk with a God in spirit. 
And so the first thing he says is this should be done out of love and humility. If anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in spirit and in gentleness. So he's calling those who love Christ together when they see a brother or sister struggling or fallen to, to come alongside them. To help them. And he's, he's giving us a, a, a way to do that. He's giving us a way to do it in gentleness. He says to do it in gentleness. Because if, if we're not careful, we can, we can just really um, bulldoze a person thinking that's what's going to lead them to a, a right relationship with God. Because we all too often only look at the action. If we, if we smack the hand away, they won't reach for that thing anymore. But he's worried about the heart. The fruit of the Spirit here, like I said, is, is anchored primarily in the heart. And he says that we're to do this with gentleness. And like I said, all too often we can, we can make that mistake. I, I know, and sometimes I catch myself even doing this, right? We'll, we'll be talking about something or really talking about someone, and someone's like, oh, I don't know if, we should, if you should say that. that might be gossip. And the response, at least in my head, sometimes in my own words, is, but it's the truth. Like, that trumps this whole thing. Like, well, as long as it's true, I can say this mean thing for entertainment value. And, and that's kind of the mindset, the heart that Paul's correcting here is that correction in gentleness, in love, not in, in bullying or belittling, but the nurturing of a mother or a father, that mentality of a brother or a sister who actually cares about something. And so like, I used the example of my brother earlier. We have, like I said, just silly debates for, for no purpose. And, and when we have those, we'll get heated. Like, like, I mean, just yelling at each other. But we know that there's no point to that. It doesn't matter who actually is the best football team or whether or not they should back up the three-point line or what overtime rules should look like in the NFL. That doesn't matter. to. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if any of those change, I still get up and come here in the morning. I still get up and go to five below. He still gets up and goes to his job. It doesn't mean anything. But when it comes to real life issues, if I see something that, that, that actually worries me about my brother, if he sees something in my life, that's not, hopefully, when we're doing it right, that's not an argument with, with raised voices and red faces. That's a, hey, I, I, need, I need to call you, man. You got about five minutes? Let's, let's talk. And it's tender voiced. And there's love in that. And here, Paul says that as we walk with brothers and sisters in Christ and we see them start to struggle, we see them fall, we see them in transgressions, we come alongside them to help them and we do it in love. Like I said, this means no, no steamrolling, this means no backbiting, this means no, no gossiping, this means no talking about somebody's uh, faults or struggles for, for, for entertainment purposes. How can that be loving or gentle to someone if that's the mindset that we have? He also says this should be done by someone walking in the Spirit themselves, right? If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. And, and because he's used the word Spirit so much in these last couple of verses, I don't think that he just means who are saved. Like if you're, oh, you're a religious type, you're a spiritual person. I think he's, he's got to be connecting this to the Spirit he was talking about before. If you are a person walking in the way the Holy Spirit wants you to walk, if you are exhibiting, showing in your heart, have those fruits of the Spirit, then that's how we should engage. Those are the people that, that should engage, and it should hopefully encourage us to, to kind of grow up and be in those things and, and anchor ourselves in those things. And we shouldn't just swoop in for the sake of swooping in. We don't always have the answer to what's going on sometimes in people's lives. Prayer and love, absolutely. But being the person that, that comes alongside and gently walks, man, sometimes that's, that, that's not individually my role. That might not be a thing that I am walking well in the spirit with at that time or, or, or in that season. 
So he calls for those who are walking in the Holy Spirit to do so well. Now, now let's not get mistaken and say that he's calling for people who are perfect. That means no one gets to correct anyone. Paul himself doesn't get to sit down and pen this nice letter to us. But instead, it is the mindset of, of when Jesus said that if you see a speck in someone else's eye, make sure you remove the plank in yours, right? I'm kind of paraphrasing there. That, that, that all too often we can be like, look what they're doing. Look how they've got it going. Look at their mistakes. And if we're not careful, we can see all the faults in everyone else's vision while all the while have the biggest blind spot in the world that we don't see. And that's what he's saying, is that we need to be a people, the people who, who come alongside and help brothers and sisters who've also asked, okay, I see my brother, I see my sister, they are struggling in this area, but, but what does that area look like in my life? And he's going to call us to self-reflection here in the verses 4 and 5. But he's not saying that we have holier-than-thou attitudes of, well, let me step in here and just show you what perfection looks like, even if it's in a gentle, well, I'm not really all that great all the while thinking you are that great. So he says that those who are walking in the Spirit, spirit of, of humility and love and self-control, those things, that they are to come alongside falling, struggling brothers and sisters and, and help them. And then the last point that we see here in verse 1 is this should be done with an eye on our own heart. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so he's also calling us to be careful of what we are calling out and to watch our own heart while we do. It can be really easy for us to fall into temptation with a brother and sister in Christ who may be in that spot. He doesn't say that we're to avoid that, that we're not to help others out, but that we are to be careful. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. He also, I think, is calling out the fact that we can sometimes become prideful in our actions, that when we step up to help this brother and sister who is tempted, it is in a mindset of superiority, right? That, well, I've conquered that sin. I don't struggle with that particular thing. And the truth is we are all broken sinners. There is not a one of us sitting here this morning or in the world that we live that is any more righteous than any other before Christ. Our sins just may look differently than the other person's sin. We struggle with X, they struggle with Y. And if we're not careful, we're going to go, well, well I don't struggle with that thing. So, and, and, and we come alongside. And so he wants us to watch ourselves as we lovingly engage, gently engage our brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught in transgression. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In sharing with the struggles of our faith family, we love God and others and show the world Jesus by loving His people. We are called to help bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when he says that this fulfills the law of Christ, um, I'm not... As I was looking through this and, and thinking through this, the, the youth have just finished looking at these uh, verses, this book in, the, in Bible study. Um, I'm not sure which one of these two laws he may be specifically referring to, but I think both apply. And I'm not sure if he's, if he's talking about when, uh, when Jesus was asked what was the greatest law in the Old Testament, and he says that it's to love God and love others, right? And bearing the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ, that to love them well is to help them get better. To be a loving father to my son is to help Calvin get better. And, and that's not always fun for him. He's not always the biggest fan of me trying to help him, okay? All right? Him running toward a hot oven and me keeping him from touching that hot oven very rarely ends with a hug of appreciation from my son. It just doesn't seem to do so, okay? And so us coming alongside brothers and sisters in Christ in, in the way that Paul's going to tell us to and, and in a loving, gentle way is good and loving, 
but it, it, it can be can be hard, but that's still loving. And so when Paul, when Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others, those are the two things that all the Old Testament hinges on. We fulfill that law of loving others by sometimes not saying, well, God bless their hearts, but by actually having a hard conversation with them. And the other thing I think he might be referring to is Jesus said before he left his disciples, one of the things he told them is that the world will know that they love him. They will see that they are his disciples by the way they love each other, which is a crazy mentality. When you think of all that Jesus did to show who he was on planet earth, he didn't say that they would heal the dead, they would feed 5,000, they would walk on water. None of the crazy things that Jesus did that made everybody just jaw-droppingly go, what? But it was that they would love each other, and, and we definitely see that here, right? We fulfill the law that Christ set before us of showing the world who he is by loving each other well. And especially in our world where we can get so um, so into our own lane of what I'm doing that we don't even realize what's going on in the people around our lives. That we stop and say, my life's not ultimate. I'm here to serve like my Savior came to serve. And we, we dig deep, work hard, love well those around us, those who do uh, church with us, do life with us, who love the same God as we do. And he calls this a burden, bearing one another's burdens. I love that he's not sugarcoating this, right? It's not like, well, you're going to go in and in gentleness and it's just going to go. No, he, he, this is a hard word, right? This word burden, right? He's, that, that's an idea of weight to it, of, of struggle to it, of work to it. That in helping people grow, it's probably not going to be as simple as, hey, I saw you doing this or this looks like your life may be headed in that direction doesn't look like that's going to end up for your best. It doesn't look like that's going to end up with you loving Christ more. And they go, well, gee, thank you so much, right? And turning around, that normally isn't how life works. It's not normally how correction goes. But it is, it is a struggle of, of walking either with them as they try to put down whatever is their transgression, whether it's drugs or alcohol or any other thing that, that may take months and, and weeks and maybe even years to work past or or maybe it's something that their sin has caused just the effects of that sin may be easy to turn off or the, the actual sin itself may be easier to turn off, but the effects are going to be far, have been far outreaching and it'll take time for them to, to lovingly try to mend what has been broken by their, their transgression, by their sin. And he calls us, calls brothers and sisters in Christ to do relationship and to bear that burden with them. It's probably not a five-minute conversation on the phone. It's probably not one 30-minute coffee session with someone. It's probably not an hour-and-a-half dinner. It's probably going to be days and weeks of checking, hey, how's this going? How's this doing? How are you? How are we? And actually sacrificing of ourselves to do so. Laying aside, aside some of the freedoms we have, uh, not getting to do what we may want to actually be there for a brother and sister in Christ in trouble. He calls us to bear each other's burdens. And in doing so, we're going to love each other well, like Christ has called us to. And we're hopefully going to show others what it looks like to love Christ. That loving Christ doesn't look like pointing at people and going, you're bad. But it, it's, it looks like coming aside broken individuals, which we all are, and being a crutch and being there to help and taking on some weight and doing some work for others more and setting aside some of the stuff in our, in our own lives. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something, 
When he is nothing, he deceives himself. We are all nothing, and we should never think of ourselves as something. I think that's, this is ultimately what Paul is saying here, right? That, that if we're not careful in doing this, we're going to come in and we're going to think that we have a cave, that we are amazing and good, that, that, that we are lifting this building off the shoulders of this poor, frail individual, when in reality, we are all broken. And yes, Hopefully some of us have been walking with Christ for years, and that has been a slow crawl toward righteousness, but it's been, it's been a, a journey. It's been something different than where it started. And we're not going to come along and think, well, I'm better, I'm good, I've got this, because then we fall. For if anyone thinks he has something when he has nothing, he deceives himself. Then we, we're, we, we're not. We just aren't. We're, we're, we're going to put blinders onto our own faults. We're not going to see our own things, and we're going to have that plank in our eye that everyone else can see that we can't. And we're going to end up falling out of this walking in the Spirit, and the next thing we know, our hearts are going to look more like these works of the flesh than it's going to look like these fruits of the Spirit. And so as we work with each other, as we love each other in a way that builds each other up and pushes each other toward our Savior and Lord, we're never to do so thinking that we're a something and they're a nothing, but that we all are where we are by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ alone. It's what Paul has said the last three or four chapters. He puts it at the end here that we're to, to keep that in mind. And then our, our last section that we're looking at, verses 4 and 5. But each of you tests his own work, and then, and then his reason to boast will, will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. So we need to read this, obviously, in the context of the verses he just said. So he says not to think of yourself as something. Don't be, be careful, right? So then he says, but, but make sure that your own faith is in yourself. And, and that seems contradictory. And if we're not careful, we could read it that way. But that's not what Paul's saying here. Instead, what Paul is saying here is that ultimately we will stand accountable to God for our own actions. And our own hearts need to align with who he is and our love for him and him alone. That... Us helping our brothers and sisters in Christ don't make us look better. It's our own heart that we need to worry about. And that when brothers and sisters come and help us and they're like, okay, this may be where you're falling short. This may be where things are going on. With well intentions and hopefully in gentleness, they can be mistaken. Their lives are not our lives. Our lives are not their lives. And, and we're to run in groups. Proverbs over and over again says that, that, that counsel is good and that uh, making decisions on your own leads to, to faults. But at the end of the day, Paul says, it is you who stand before God. It is you who will be held accountable, not those around you. And you will not be propped up by anyone else, but it is on you. And so Sometimes if we're not careful, I think when we, when we fall, especially if we know, if we know this or if we, we see our faults and we, we know that we're doing life with someone, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a close family, we will think to ourselves, well, man, if they would have done it this way or if they would have called it out, then, then I would have been better. I, I don't know how many times, like I said, me and Felicia have celebrated five years, that, that in, in us trying to, 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 to let the other one know that they've messed up, if she's telling me, hey, Andrew, you're messing up like this, my own brokenness will think to myself, well, you know, I probably wouldn't have acted like that if she hadn't done or if he hadn't done or if they hadn't, right? And we put our brokenness and our fault on that person. And the Bible says here, no, you will stand accountable for you. Not what, not what they did, not what they've come, not, not with the help that they may or may not be able to give, but you will stand before God. Let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself. See what your own actions look like. See where your own heart is 
and then rest in yourself and not in your neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. At the end of the day, we will stand accountable for our own hearts and for the actions our own hearts produced in our lives. And so, in conclusion, as we, as we get ready to wrap this up and as Joanna comes to, to play, one of the things I think that we need to realize is that this is being written to a church, to a group of people. This isn't being written to a pastor to set up a plan for his church. Paul writes letters to pastors. He writes one to Timothy. He writes one to Titus. Paul writes letters to individuals. This is not a letter to an individual. This is a letter to a congregation. This is him challenging a group of men and women to themselves bear that load. He's, he's not looking for a, a church, for, for a plan to, to be enacted and for, for people to sign up on a dotted line and be like, well, I'm going to be now a part of the, the Brothers Helping Brothers in Christ program. And No, he's, he's looking for each of us to work in our own hearts. And if, if no one else steps up into doing life with, with brothers and sisters in, in this way, at least we will have followed the Spirit leading us. Once again, he even says here at the end, right, that, that you have to stand accountable for your own works for your own actions, for your own heart before God. So I think we need to realize this, is that, that this falls on the shoulders of every brother and sister in Christ. This isn't, this isn't him calling out a, a church program as being faulty. This is him calling out a, a group of individuals who, who've, uh, who need to, to do this. I don't think he's calling them out for not doing it so far, but as much as just encouraging them to do this. That's what he would encourage us to do, I think, that Paul, would sit here, that Paul would stand here before us today and say, are we doing this? Are you doing this? Am I doing this? He calls us out individually. And then the last, uh, last few points is, and this will be hard and scary. One, a lot of these things, in, as far as transgressions and burdens, some things I think we'll be able to see, but a lot of times we may not be. And so I think that he is, so what we're seeing here is to, to be open and honest and to do life with each other in a way where this is easier to be seen and easier to be done. If all we interact with with our brothers and sisters in Christ is a Sunday morning hour of worship, which is great and good, how do we help them with their burdens? How do we know what their burdens are? How do we know what is going on? And, and he is calling us to get in the fray, to, to have awkward conversations and to awkwardly do life with individuals. That, that's not easy. It, it, it's not. We like our own things done our own way. And yet he's calling us to love others more than we love ourselves. The, the mantra of the Bible, the, the epitome of what Christ said, right? Love God, love others. That leaves you as last. That leaves you as third place option is loving yourself. All right? And so we're to, to love others and be awkward. And, and like I said, the scary reality of admitting to our brothers and sisters in Christ that we need help. That we are falling, that we are falling, that we have a burden. And resting in what Christ has done for us and His grace being sufficient for our sins and not in what other people may hold against us or see us as. But He's calling us into a relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, into a scary, intimate relationship with others. And like I said, that, that's probably going to be messy. But ultimately, it is, it is good. It is enriching. It is loving God well, and it is loving others in a way that shows off who He is.